I've got a good one for you because I just presented on this. Uh, I would my 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 message is don't wait for permission. And what I mean by that is make make stuff, put it out there as frequently as possible, or write design, whatever it is you do, make it, make it, make it, put it out there, put it out there so that people become familiar with you and then ultimately trust you because of your visibility of stuff that they've seen. And then from there, hire you like that's that is the name of the game. Welcome. This is unfolding the show where I talk to creative business minds. My name is Marco Pfann and today we are talking to PJ Richardson from The Laundry. Laundry is an amazing motion design studio out from the US, uh, actually from LA and I just love the work. It's so, so artful, it's playful and I also follow PJ on LinkedIn and I just love the content he's putting out on an actual daily basis and that's exactly what we're going to talk to PJ about today how he gets this content out each and every day and what his experience is by actually doing this practice, I think for three or four years now. So I want to know uh, what the benefits are from actually doing the content and I want to know if he gets some tangible results out of that. So PJ, welcome to the show. Um, first of all, um, could you tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah. 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 So I can, I can do a real, like a real quick sort of history of, of what I've done. Um, I grew up in San Francisco, uh, like kind of in the mid nineties and, um, and not a very, my, uh, didn't have, my family didn't have a lot of money, single mom, pretty, pretty messed up sort of house and, and home life. And so I, I, I didn't know much cause I was a teenager, but I found graffiti cause it was, artful. It was, I found friends that I could connect with. And, um, long story short, what really ended up happening is that it, it sort of taught me kind of a hustle. Like you have to quite literally go artfully write your name everywhere and get it up as much as possible. And it was a competition and it was sort of an early foray into marketing <laughs> in a real city setting. Um, yeah, but that quickly, uh, from there, I, I realized quite quickly that there wasn't a very lucrative feature in that and went to art school where I discovered graphic design um, and ultimately motion graphics, which which led me here to do well, it would let me to Los Angeles working in in motion graphics studios. Um, and it's a weird thing. I knew from the graffiti part that I had a very strong opinion that I wanted to work on the absolutely coolest things possible um, creatively and, and client wise. But at the same time, uh, mainly from a residual of, of my childhood, a tremendous amount of anxiety and kind of imposter syndrome very early on. So like I would throw myself into the fire and then be absolutely freaked out while doing it. Uh, and that seemed to be a theme kind of over and over early on. Um, but from there, it, it, it sort of trickled. One thing leads to another, leads to another. And that got us to, to starting uh, laundry in, in late 2005, where now I'm a ECD co-founder and um, uh, uh, director and then also digital artist on, on the side. Um, so that was like the super fast and we got to kind of right now. So would you say like your experience, I mean, I always wonder, there's so many creative studios out there, especially motion design studios, right? And especially in the US. So you're not the only one, but you kind of made... Like you're at the top now in the industry, one of the most known and 
most on studios and you do amazing work and you can actually see the whole uh, street art and graffiti style in some of the projects, just the, the Adobe X project you've released. I think it was quite recently, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So tell me what, how did you get from opening your own studios to where you are right now? Like what's, what's kind of the secret? I, I know it's hard to, to ask you for the one thing, but what, what did you focus on to grow that fast? Yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because in my mind, it actually is an incredibly slow grow compared to other studios that I had worked at previously where we, we've been in business almost 16 years. Um, but I worked at studios that, that blew up to top of the list within a couple of years, but also sort of fell off the pedestal just as quick. Um, I think, I think there's, there's sort of two or three reasons that we're, we're able to be, to maintain longevity, which I'd say the first and foremost is we were really, and still are very careful financially to not overextend ourselves either on project budgets or, you know, putting money in our pocket overly or too heavily. Um, I'd say the, the second key is that is just kind of, being open to different business verticals. And what I mean by that is like, we don't just do advertising. We don't just do film titles. We don't just do, you know, whatever social media content. We tried to diversify just a little bit. Um, and then the third one that I think really came up in the last three or four years is kind of taking the, the dialogue out of us and more to them, like to the client, like how can we be of service and, and help clients strategies and bring their ideas to life with doing what we've always done, but with a little bit more of a purpose, I think has really made a big difference. And, and again, we're just, we, I mean, you look at our work and it looks like it's always what we've always done, but we sort of changed the conversation to be like, okay, if this is what you want and need. This is how we're going to get you help get you what you want and need with, with what we do versus just here's three or 10 directions, just pick a, of direction like it's a paint swatch. It's a lot more arbitrary and a lot more disappointing to be that to be less deliberate like that. But we were and somehow got by for a very long time. Um, and, and then I think the fourth kind of the, the last one that that I've been really really adamant about, and I, I've seen some great success with recently is is specificity, like being really detailed and specific about what we're doing, making, and why, and having it be in, a, in, in response to something very specific that was asked of us from clients. Because um, I, I think it makes the, the takes it from us versus them to collaboration pretty quickly. And I've seen some pretty, I think, some pretty amazing and I'd say better results because of that. Um, How would you like, let's, let's talk about this why for a second. So, um, can you give a little more context around the idea of asking for the why or actually being more specific on what you're doing? Yeah. So for instance, we would, and this was our own fault. We would, we, we had pitches or design presentations in the past where we would put, we would, you know, like everybody, you, you make a good, now you make a Google doc, but previously you'd make a PDF. Sometimes you still do that. You put, you put let's say, I don't know, five design directions, 10 design directions for a, a network graphics package, right? And 
we wouldn't write anything. We would just say name of project, five directions and send it along. And, and guess what would happen? They would either not like any of it, or they would pick a direction we didn't like, or it was just really random. And it was really hard to know why things were happening the way they were happening. And it was just really vague and confusing. And, and a lot of work and disappointment, a lot of work was lost, a lot of pitches lost, and a lot of projects what didn't go the way we would like to. And it was just, it was just really mysterious in a not very fun way. And so we began to question, okay, why, why are we doing it this way? What assumptions are we making, which is that people understand what we're thinking or what animation is, which was a false assumption. And then we, we really started to be like, okay, well, what are they asking and what are we responding with and why? Like if they're asking us and saying things that they want to achieve or don't want to achieve, let's list those out and let's make design directions that respond very directly, even if it's abstract, so that we're having a really specific like visual conversation with them based on their asks and needs. And, and I, I think a big, big one for me was then taking even a step higher to the why and being like, okay, why don't I respect that they're hiring us because they don't know how to do this animation themselves or, or with the way that, that with the complexity or at least the expertise that we have, but they still have to present it to people that sign the checks and all that. So why don't I help them? Why don't I take them through, show them process, show them reasons so that when they take it to their boss to get sign off, he doesn't have to read through 40 pages of, of who knows what or no writing at all, but we give them, we just make it easy on them. You know what I mean? Or, or at least easier. And that really changed a lot for me. Um, and it's a lot more work up front, but it ends up being a lot less disappointment and a lot less sort of chaos after or along the way. So uh, would you like you mentioned uh, like going more for what clients want instead of what they need? So. Um, and now you're saying like you actually help the client to get to where they really want it. I actually also help them to upsell it in the company. So can you tell me, or can you talk a little about how this looks and practice, like to the, especially to the young folks out there? I, you know, th it's something you commented or you, or you posted on LinkedIn once or at least a few different times where what they need versus what they want are, are, are sometimes they're the same. But what they need is what we're helping them get. And I think that's a distinction that's it's hard to put your finger on sometimes, but I, I know it's I, I see what you see. And it's like they want it to feel cool. They want to feel cool. They want their brand to feel cool. And at the same time, they want it to feel a little more fresh than what people expect, even even if it stays within the specific brand rules that feel feel familiar familiar or what enough. So like that's Once we kind of figured out that nuance, we don't get it every time, but we get it a lot. Like we, we, we win the pitches or the projects go well when it's just like, okay, you have a brand system, but we're going to give it a little extra twist of, of something unexpected to, to, to make it what you want and get you excited about it and, and ultimately your audience. Um, so that's, that's, so that's a really important part actually, because that was a mistake that we made early on where we would get these briefs and not really understand or respect that the, the, the client team 
lives and breathes the brand that they're working for. And so as do, does their, their audience more importantly, and they need to feel some familiarity to trust it. And we would be like, Oh, your brand system's yellow and pink. Here's a dark CGI hot green approach that like you look at when it would not know that it was part of that brand. But when it became less of a, when it came more of a like, well, here's a twist from where you're already at so that it, they don't mistake it for something they've already seen, but still know it. That's when it, it, it changed in, in a better way for us, I think. And ultimately for the, the audience. You said something about changing the conversation, right? Like it really took off for you when you started to change the conversation. Was that changing the conversation? Like this, this idea of going from needs to wants or how would you define changing the conversation in, 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 in the business context? Yeah, I think it was like, I, I think it luckily needs and wants can be explained in a variety of different ways here. But I think what happened was we were doing what we wanted to do or what we needed, what we felt like we needed to do, not what the client wants. And I, I think the big, big part of that, and still, we're still working progress on this, but I think the big change was we really listened to what they were asking of us and wanting and making sure that we were creating and or running our business in a way that, that becomes kind of an extension of what they want, not a judgment of what they should do or shouldn't do kind of. And, and that really made a big difference. And I, I say this all the time where the client's not the enemy, but a collaborator. And, and I think once we started to respect their position a lot more, it really changed the, the, the game for us. Like they, they know their brand. I say to those clients all the time, like we're going to offer you solutions, but we, you know, your brand inside and out, you live it every day. So if we're off, just let us know that's no problem versus, trying to get it right on the first try or, or fight tooth and nail for one particular idea. And, and it, and that's where it became more of a, a collaboration often and help us understand what they want too. Cause sometimes they don't even know how to say it properly. And it's kind of our job to help them get there. You kind of do what you think you, or what you want to do, right? Not necessarily what a client thinks he needs. But you also, as you mentioned that you actually listen to the client a lot, right? Listening is that, I mean, that's, I mean, seems obvious, but right. It's like, as we both know, no one really does it. It's, it's in fact, I was just having a, a review internally today where I'm like, and, and this is something I've been really adamant about lately is in every design or, or every client posting, even animation too, listing what their, what the do's are, what the don'ts are, what they're asking, what their notes are and what our responses are so that we make sure we, you know, that's a really microscopic level because it's like, you know, slow it down, blah, 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 or make the logo bigger, that kind of a thing. But that every bit applies to the strategy too, of, of how we pitch or even the, the project itself of really being like, Hey, this is, this is what you are, are wanting, this is what you say that the challenges are, and this is how we, we, we overcome it versus keeping things. I think when you keep things really ambiguous, it, it leaves for a lot more room for error or, and, or just for the, the lack of success of a project, even if it is really well-crafted. How do you listen? Like it's such an obvious question, right? But it's like you, 
how do you ask? What do you ask? Like, do you have a process for that? How do you get out? How do you draw out what clients really want or what they think they want? I think, I think I would say that the, the 30,000 foot view, uh, is to, is to not make assumptions. And so on a client call is one place where we can say, okay, they'll say, we have this story. We're making a commercial. This is what we want to do. And then there, I, I have it sort of trained in my head enough to be like, okay, does that mean, okay, I see the story. I see that it's a TV commercial, but then I'd say, okay, well, that can mean a couple different things. Do you want it to be a happy commercialist, uh, emotional one? Do you want it to be CGI? Do you want it to be 2D animation? You know, I mean, sometimes I'll have a, a, a ballpark of where they want to be, but I think asking very, very literal and specific questions yeah. to help kind of just have them quite literally say it helps get to that specificity that I think... Um, at least gets the project kicked off. And then what we, and then there's, you know, another area too is, is, you know, when we create schedules for the project, you know, on a, on a more minute level, we'll say like, as opposed to design phase, animation phase, I'm very, very adamant about saying what, you know, we're designing this section here, this section here, this is exploration or, we're doing animation setup, character, anim you know, like just being very surgical and specific so that it leaves very little to the imagination, um, but also leaves room to kind of play um, and then ask and get very specific questions answered versus, well, I, you know, do you like the animation? You're like, well, that's a pretty broad question <laughs> and kind of an expensive one if, we're, I mean, if we leave it that open-ended. I mean, this is this kind of a thing, right? If you ask people how they like the animation or if they like, if you're actually fishing for compliments, you're going to get screwed. Like clients going to rip it apart because what what else should they say, right? They can't just say they love it. They they can't, or maybe they can, but it's usually it's like they need to find something, right? This kind for them now, now they, they need to make a judgment on something they don't really understand. Like, because let's be honest, most creative, even uh, not most people out of the creative industry don't really understand or feel the creative part as we do. I think that's a really important thing. Yeah. Cause, and we've seen that more actually more often than not now, almost increasing where our clients actually don't really understand the animation process and are quite scared of it. And so we've been emphasizing a lot to create process docs and guides and really walk them through it to be like, Hey, not only do we want you to, you know, hopefully agree on our posting, but dispel this idea that it's scary or, or, or complicated or, or unchangeable. You know, I think, so there, there's a whole layer of, of education and handholding, but I'm not against it at all. Like that's, that's, I think that's the mindset shift of like, it's like, instead of like, Oh my God, they don't understand animation. This is hell. Why are we doing this? This sucks. It's like, no, no, they, they don't. And that's okay. Like why, why should they, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, yeah, they, they're running multi-million dollar brands. Yeah. Like it's like, it, you know, it's, it's really that whole conversation of, of, taking it out of like I, we, and putting it much more towards like, how can we help? Like it really. 
So what's the benefit of educating your clients? And how do you talk to them? How do you do that? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, I think one thing that that works against that worked against us, and I've seen it at other studios, too, is just this idea of being too vague and ambiguous about what you're doing and why you're doing, because I think it 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 does it doesn't do the, the audiences that we're working for much justice. And it certainly makes the client studio experience a lot more difficult. And I think when we were able to be more specific, much more specific down to what were, you know, the do's and don'ts within a pitch that we're responding to, or the list of client notes in a posting, like when we're very, very, very specific, it, it does two things. It creatively gets us closer to what the client's asking faster, even if we do have to change and adjust. It also on a business level saves us a quite a bit more money to not have to go in as many circles uh, creatively. I mean, I think there's humongous value to R&D and exploration, but it can be a lot more deliberate when we're we're listening a lot more. So I understand that. And yet the question, the question I have now, and maybe that's more for the audience, but the question that comes up is what is actually the advantage of shifting that conversation from you, what you want to create to what the client wants and how you can help them? No, no, that's, yeah, I, there is, there is a, there is a trickier, there is one tricky side to that, that I, that I know we, you and I have opinions about, and certainly Joel from Rev think does too, is that I'd say the one challenge on a business level that that puts us in, particularly our studio, because we do all kinds of different styles, is that it's it's sometimes more expensive and or sometimes harder to pitch because we aren't as specialized when we're more like general problem solvers. It lets us be more nimble business-wise, and it certainly hasn't hurt us in, in an overall way. But you know, if you're on a pitch against two other companies that specialize in that particular thing, it gets a little trickier sometimes. And that's, that is the, I'd say one of the business challenges is because in a short term way. So we're coming to the end and I really want to be respectful with your time, but maybe I can ask you this last question here. So what is your message for the creative industry and for the community at large? I got a good one for you because I just presented on this. Uh, I would, my, my, my message is don't wait for permission. And what I mean by that is, and this is going to slide right into our marketing side of things perfectly well. Um, you know, again, and just what we talked about really make, make stuff, put it out there as frequently as possible or write, design, whatever it is you do, make it, make it, make it, put it out there, put it out there so that people become familiar with you and then ultimately trust you because of your visibility of stuff that they've seen. And then from there, hire you like that's, that is the name of the game. Like I, I, I go to, I go on LinkedIn, I go to these conferences, I see these artists and studios and makers and they're fantastic, but I know quite a few artists that are just as good, maybe even better that, but no one knows and no one trusts them because they never put themselves out there because they're scared to. And it's, it's, it's the name of the game. Like, So what you're saying is that that is why 
those artists and even studios uh, struggle to find clients. No, and certainly, no, and certainly not the ones that they want. And it's all self-inflicted. And so I think it's it's my message would be: don't wait for someone to seek you out. Like create demand. So is that why you started your daily art projects that you, I think you actually share them on Instagram, but definitely you share them on LinkedIn. Yeah, well, it's a good, so, and the, the way that that happened, uh, two reasons that that happened is first off, I was sort of feeling my age and I was like, shoot, am I, am I, do I not have it? Am I too old for this? Right. And so I was like, well, I want to get back in because I was having these creative direction problems where particularly around 3D, where I was describing what I want in super broad terms, but not getting back what I was trying to get achieved. And I, I understood, at least I think I understood that I wasn't being specific enough in a technical sense or a creative sense. So I wanted to learn how to make and, and so that I could have a real dialogue. Second, though, we were getting a lot of project leads where the clients would be like, hey, we want to make this, you know, character animation we'd love to hire you. Do you have examples of this work? And we we're like, no, but we can do that. But unless we could show them that we could, even if they liked us, they wouldn't even give us the time of day to it. I got sick of having that conversation for, for a couple of years. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start making everything that I see that I want to make that clients ask and, and, and see where that gets us. Um, And a little bit of that is I'd lean towards what I like to do, not just what any, every single person's asking. But it, it, it also doubled up on this whole thing of like, well, if they see the if they see what I'm doing more frequently, they're going to become more familiar with with me in the studio and make it just a step easier to to try to get us hired on projects. So that was that was a motivator, and I started really simple. And I, I'd say I don't I wouldn't say that I don't care what people think or if the work's good or not. But I did start really minimal and respect that I wasn't going to be very good at it and tried to just do what would look good in a simple way. And then over the years, it got more complex and more complex to where it is now, but definitely was not an overnight thing. I think I'm on into year three or four on making those. Um, so it's taken a little bit. So that was PJ Richardson from The Laundry. Again, amazing motion design studio. My name is Marco Pfann and I really hope you enjoyed the show. So, and I really hope you're gonna come to the next show again. I have no idea who I'm gonna talk to. Maybe another creative legend or maybe I'm just gonna talk to myself. Who knows? Let's find out. So, see you at the next show.